0: This is CliffCentral.com
1: Welcome to the Understanding Cancer Podcast, a series of key conversations that bring together all you need to know about cancer, empowering you with information and knowledge. This 10 podcast series is brought to you by Discovery. My name is Sonia Booth. Each week, we chat to some of the country's foremost experts in the fields of health and wellness for cancer prevention, as well as in cancer treatment. We are bringing new, fascinating insights relevant to every person out there. This eighth episode focuses on cancer survivorship. Today, I am in conversation with survivorship care GP, Dr. Inga Creel, who works at the Breast Care Center of Excellence at NetCare Mill Park Hospital in Gauteng. Also with us in studio is recurrent breast cancer survivor, Penny Howie. Penny, let's kick off the conversation by asking you to share what it meant to you being diagnosed with breast cancer. The last thing you expected at the age of 30, I'm sure.
2: Well, it's quite interesting because I was 30 and at 30, I think your biggest worry is what to wear out on a Friday night. And whether you were going to meet the man of your dreams and live happily ever after When I was told that I'd actually found a a lump under my arm um, I'd never done any self breast examinations I mean you don't think of that at 30 And I actually just thought it was a a swollen gland. I went to my gynae. She felt it. She didn't think it was a concern, but I I hopped off to the doctor, and I still remember being at the surgeon quite embarrassed because everyone was really sick waiting to see him, and I wasn't sick. So I went in and got a very strange hmm when he found found this lump. Anyway, he then felt um, a breast lump, which I hadn't felt, and before I knew it, I was leaving with – Um, A form to go into hospital the very next day I had a lumpectomy And it had spread into my lymphatic system So I had six months of chemotherapy And then 36 sessions of radiation It is a, A few things went through my head at the age of 30 The one was when can I go back to gym The second was if I lose my hair how, how pretty is my bald head going to be? Have I got any scars from a, a, a childhood accident? And the last one, which is quite scary, which shows how we prioritise incorrectly, was how soon can I go back to work? You know, so you really, you really are thrown from normality. It, it changes, it changes your whole outlook on life in a heartbeat. Were you bitter at the universe? I wasn't. I think I'm very lucky that I come from a very positive family. So I was, I was never bitter and I never questioned why me because I don't think there's an answer. So why, why do you go down that road? But you do wonder if you've done something in your past that affected, that caused it. But I've learned that it's got nothing to do with that. And you've got to actually just accept that this is the new path that you're going to take. And you've got to look at the roadblocks that are going to be ahead and get some, the, the right people in place to help you
1: navigate it. Dr. Creel, you work at a center that was set up by award-winning breast cancer specialist surgeon, Professor Carol Ben, which she heads as well. What you do is unique. I mean, is, is survivorship a recognized medical speciality in South Africa?
0: Not in South Africa, but it's quite well established in the U.S. So in the U.S. it's been in existence since about 2011. But here, as far as I know, I'm the only only doctor doing survivorship care specifically.
1: In the entire country,
0: in the country of yes. fifty
1: five million people,
0: yes. So it's there's a a great need for it, but it's not been recognised as yet in South Africa. So that's what Prof. Ben and I are trying to do is to, to um, promote awareness of the need for survivorship care because the patients need it, and once they see me, they they say this is what's been missing. This is what they need to find their new normal to. Move past the diagnosis into a new normal a new a new life going forward, and also assistance with a promotion of health to prevent the cancer from getting from coming back because that 's a big part of what I do as well is to promote healthy lifestyle, and that 's not always addressed in um, the consultations with oncologists.
1: Penny, you have experience of being treated at the Breast Care Centre of Excellence, where Dr. Creel is based?
2: I didn't go via the um, that centre for my first treatments, but I can't tell you the difference. So the second time I was diagnosed was 14 years later. And I think what is so interesting is integration has become so critical in healthcare. Um, I... You know, I just saw the onc- the oncologist previously, and you had your treatment and you left. Where Carol brings her entire team together, they look at it in in as a as a whole entity. Everybody gives their inputs. You know, they they discuss, they argue, they look at the best the best treatments for you, the best way forward. It really is that integrated approach that makes it so understandable. As a cancer patient, because you're so scared and you don't know which treatment to choose. You need the right people in place to actually assist you with the right information for the correct decision. And I think that's what what the center does, is it really does promote um, integrated
1: treatment. And then, Dr. Creel, I mean, do oncolo- oncologists in, in general uh, support the work that you do, survivorship work? Do they recognize it? I mean, do we need more awareness? I mean, um, I've just asked that, but clearly the fact that you're the only one in this uh, speciality, this field, we do know that we do we do need more awareness.
0: The oncologists are slowly starting to come on board. In the beginning, they were a bit wary, I think, of of this, but... Once they realized I'm not trying to replace them, I'm actually supporting them and supporting the function, the important work that they do, then they realize that, you know, there's a need for it. And a lot of oncologists have have come to me and said, please, can you see this patient? I think that she would benefit from from your input in terms of survivorship. So they're, they're starting to... Be awareness around it, and I also attend the multidisciplinary meetings with oncologists. So um, I give input, and they give input, and and um, they they're starting to come on board with it, with the concept of survivorship care. The patients are also telling the oncologists, "I saw Dr. Creel. This is what she recommended," and they realise that that I do have an important role going forward that doesn't replace the role that they have as oncologists, but it does augment the the role that they play and it adds to the patient's well-being after the cancer diagnosis.
1: Pen, what, what, what is survivorship, I mean, for you as somebody who's been through that and what is life after cancer about?
2: So we were talking about it earlier. It's the new normal. Everybody has this fear that their life won't go back to normal. But the nice thing is, it gives you an opportunity to clear the slate and start again. You've got a different approach to things. Somebody once, uh, in my first diagnosis, somebody said to me, "What does it feel like to be terminal?" And I said, "Well, everybody's terminal because we're all going to die at some point. So I'm not, I'm not exclusive in that club. Um, so I think it just." It, Survivorship is about getting through the challenges, um, getting to a stage where you're in remission, and then trying to keep it that way through, as we say, exercise, eating healthy, living a good lifestyle. But it's also very much linked to your mindset. So if you go into cancer with the right mindset and you can focus on positive and looking forward as opposed to looking backwards and tripping over your feet I think you can walk a new journey with new challenges and new learnings you need to make cancer your friend I always say cancer walks beside me every single day of my life because it must be there to remind me of the amazing gift that life is and the amazing gift that I have having survived twice
1: And Dr. Creel, we've heard stories of some oncologists who spend three minutes in consultations with their patients. How are your consultations different?
0: I have more time to spend with patients. I have more time to delve into the unique emotional and psychological and social issues because cancer doesn't affect you physically only. It can affect you on so many more levels. It um, influences the way you interact with with friends, with family. It influences your finances. It influences your whole emotional and mental well being. And there's often not time. Oncologists just don't have the time. They are focused solely on the cancer, which is rightly so. That's their job. I look at how the cancer affects the whole person, and how the person's unique attributes and unique um, you know, The unique Parts of their personality Affect the cancer So I think Penn's got such a great attitude Towards it but not every patient Has a positive attitude And that affects their physical And emotional well-being Every single patient is unique And every patient has a unique Take on life And a unique take on the cancer and that needs to be addressed in the consultation so every person is different and has has a um, different outlook on life and you need to take that into account in the consultation
1: and i mean i know your your, your work uh, varies in impact on a patient depending on the type of cancer that they have or that they present
0: definitely so um, different cancers have have different prognoses. So, breast cancer is is one cancer that tends to have very good prognosis. So, patients usually survive if it's caught early. They live for a long time with with the cancer or in remission after the cancer. And there are side effects after treatment that we need to manage. So I don't know if Penn's had any side effects after chemo, but we commonly see um, peripheral neuropathy, which is numbness in the hands and feet that can occur as a result of um, certain types of chemo that we give. And that needs to be managed because it, it can have an impact on your ability to exercise. Um, it can have an impact um, on all spheres of your life. So we can manage that. And a lot of patients, I think, aren't aware of, of that. They start experiencing symptoms and they don't know what it is. And they're too scared to ask their oncologist. Because they feel that it's a trivial complaint. That they should be grateful that the cancer is gone. So they're too ashamed to ask. They're too ashamed to ask their doctors, is this normal? Many patients aren't sure what is
1: normal after, after cancer and what isn't normal. So they're too scared to talk about it. And what about the late um, and long-term physical effects um, of cancer treatment? I mean, do you get people who decide to go off uh, their drugs because it makes them, you know, feel really, really ill and awful? And I mean, what are the, uh, the implications uh, on that?
0: Absolutely, I actually have a fantastic patient case that I can share with you here. Um, The patient came to see me after her breast cancer diagnosis and she was put on tamoxifen, which is an estrogen blocker. So it blocks the estrogen from acting on the breast tissue and then prevents recurrence of the breast cancer. And tamoxifen can cause menopausal side effects. So she was getting hot flushes and dry skin and vaginal dryness. And she just felt terrible. And she believed, after reading the package insert, that the tamoxifen was responsible for her side effects or that the tamoxifen was causing her to feel that way. And I sat down with her and started asking and investigating. And I asked, "Did you have you had your thyroid checked? So she says, no, she hasn't. I said, because an th- underactive thyroid can mimic the side effects of a tamoxifen. Tested her thyroid. It was severely underactive, probably the worst case of underactive thyroid I've come across in my years of practice. And once we corrected that, she felt a million times better. She went back on her tamoxifen. And the oncologist didn't pick that up because he didn't have time to. Didn't have time to pick that up because he was focused on the cancer and focused solely on that. You know, there isn't time in that consultation to focus on what else might be going on in the patient's body. And I actually saw her the other day, and she's doing brilliantly. She's happy. She's All the symptoms that she'd attributed to the tamoxifen had resolved, and she was on her tamoxifen. So um, she was living her new normal. So that was really, really rewarding to see that and to... To be able to help in that way, that makes survivorship, that makes me so passionate about it. Because you can make a difference. I can can... see the
1: passion. Mm -hmm. Even when you're speaking, she's beaming with passion, right? And I mean, I know you're all about empowering your patients to be active participants in their own health and well-being. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You know, I can advise, but, but the responsibility lies with the patient. And I saw something fantastic on Facebook the other day. Um, someone put a quote on there. It said, we, we're not responsible for the trauma that happens to us. So everyone experiences trauma or traumatic events in their life, in their lives. But we are responsible for healing. We are responsible for our healing after the trauma. And that, That really stuck with me because that's so true. Um, So I can help patients heal, but it needs to be a team effort. So I always tell my patients, I'm here for you anytime. They've got my cell phone number. They've got my email. Contact me. Let me know what's happening. Let's work together as a team to give you your best new normal that you can have.
1: And I mean, Penn, speaking of empowerment, you took a gap year just to support other young women with cancer. A selfless act indeed.
2: Um, I wanted to, i wanted to go back to being a millennial because the gap year is obviously <laughs> the thing to do. Um, I just, I felt, I did it for two reasons. One, I just felt I needed to detox myself of what I was carrying as, you know, Um, from my cancer experience. And I also just wanted, because I was so young when I was diagnosed, I couldn't relate to anybody because there wasn't anybody of my age that was listed as having a cancer. So my first experience with consulting with somebody was with somebody who came to see me in hospital, and she was 76 and I was 30. And our reference points were just on totally different planets. I was concerned about things that she had been through and finished in her life and was nearing the end of. And I just realized that there was a desperate need for positivity, which I believe I learned such a good lesson with through my cancer journey and just to let other people know that it was okay and that you actually can survive it and live an absolutely normal life. I mean, if I've been to people and they don't know my story, they don't look at me and see a cancer patient. They don't know that I've been through cancer. You know, you go back to being an absolutely normal human being that integrates back into society. If you're willing to do that, if you carry this massive baggage with you, Um, you are going to stand out and you aren't going to integrate back. And, I mean, you have got your whole life ahead of you. There's still so much more to accomplish and so much more to do. So that gap year just felt like the right thing to do at the time, and it was 100%
1: the right thing to do. And the beauty of it is that, I mean, you formed some sisterhood bonds. You met some incredible Mm. women. Absolutely. Doctor, what is your advice on nutrition? Because, I mean, we all know it it plays a a huge role in the healing uh, process, right? Nutrition, exercise, stress management, because it it seems that the, the whole mindset and, you know, the emotional well-being, sleep are all, you know, part of healthy living going forward. What role does lifestyle play in cancer survivorship?
0: It's quite interesting. I actually see in my practice, I see two different kinds of patients. The one patient sort of goes completely, I can't eat any sugar, I can't drink coffee, I can't have a sip of alcohol. They, 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 they go completely one way. And then you get the patient who goes the complete opposite way and sort of just Junk food drinks too much and and smokes and doesn 't do any, you know doesn't look after their health at all and The best advice or the advice I give to patients is be kind to yourself and find a balance it 's okay to have a glass of wine now and again, not every day, not in excess, but be kind to yourself if you have a bar of chocolate, the cancer's not going to come back because of the bar of chocolate that you had so enjoy life if you're too restrictive you know that's also not healthy you need to find a balance so any diet that's too restrictive or that tells you to cut out something is generally not a good idea so the the diet that i advise is you know eat chicken fish lots of fruits and vegetables but have a glass of one have a Thank chocolate. Goodness. Yes. <laughs> I have so many patients that, that say to me, must I cut out all sugar for the rest of my life? I say, no, you know, you need to live. You need to enjoy life. Otherwise you, you, you're going to live long, but you're going to be miserable. That's not the point. You need to find a balance and, and live and enjoy life going forward.
1: I mean, Penn, there, there's always fear of recurrence once mm-hmm. you've been through that. People have tests every so often to determine this. In your case, the breast cancer did come back different but more aggressive. And this led to a double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Can you take me through those emotions?
2: Yeah. So the first time is um, an, uh, it's um uncharted waters. So you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's ahead. And there's actually a bit of a comfort in that because you don't know what you're going to go through. But the second time, it really is waters that you know and it's experiences that you've been through that were difficult. So I... I actually found the lump myself the second time, which just shows that, you know, if you do, if you do those regular tests, once you're aware of it, you are, I, I caught it early, but it was a very aggressive cancer. So we just decided with my history that a double mastectomy was the way to go. And what an incredible experience that was from a medical point of view. I literally went in to the mill park and 33 hours later, I walked out with total reconstruction, the cancer gone and I mean, new boobs that people pay a fortune for these days. So um, the experience of being diagnosed twice was, uh, it splits 50-50 for me. It was, it was devastating in the sense that I, I never wanted to go through that again, and I thought I'd done my duty. But it was incredible in the sense that I knew that I'd, I'd fought it before and won, and I
1: truly believed I could do it again. And, Dr. Creel, I mean, what are the most common things patients want you to address? I mean, we have the so-called frequently asked questions.
0: I find that patients just need support. They need that emotional support. A lot of patients, once you sit down with them, just want someone friendly to listen to them, to to support them and to tell them it's not their fault. That the cancer happened or that the cancer came back. I find many patients blame themselves and they, they just need to, to be held and supported and to be encouraged and told that it's not their fault. So that's what I encounter commonly. A lot of patients tell me or ask me why did it happen to me? What did I do wrong? And there's no answer for that. It's nothing that you did wrong. And once patients hear that, I think there's that sense of of relief and acceptance.
1: People report that experiencing cancer opens doors, that it has profound effects. It redirects them towards healthy living. In your case, it brought Cupid to your doorstep. It introduced you to your husband. How did that happen?
2: I think it's very important to realize that cancer closes your old life and opens a new one. I had been... Um, in remission for a few years And somebody that I worked with Who was aware of my cancer journey Mother was diagnosed So they invited me over to counsel her To chat to her And through that I met the brother Who eventually became my husband And I think the whole thing through cancer Is that it, it brings angels into your path Whether it be in the form of a friend Somebody you haven't spoken to in a long time Somebody new The nurses at the oncology wards they come into your life. Sometimes they stay in your life and sometimes they fly away, but they just really change your life for the better.
1: Sure. I, 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 I love your positivity and your your, your, your you, you've got great spirit about you. It's infectious, actually. <laughs> now – I, I'm I'm not wanting just to turn it into gloom, but you did experience early menopause. What was that? I mean, that that emotion. How? What did you feel, and the impact on your uh, fertility? So that's where. So
2: Dr. Krill wasn't around when I went through this journey, which. I realized listening to what she's got to say, how critical that role is for two reasons. One, because it actually frees up the oncologist to do what he's trained to do and what he's passionate about doing. You can't expect your oncologist to be your counselor as well. A, they don't have time and B, they don't have the training for it. But I think the most important thing is I went through menopause. I was aware that it could happen. I always wanted children. I did get married late. So initially I did Look at freezing eggs the first time But they weren't really up It wasn't really being done yet at that point When I did go into menopause The first time I I flipped out of it in three months So it didn't bother me And then when I went into it um, This time it's obviously stayed It is. It was a big thing for me Because having a double mastectomy Isn't as big a deal Because it doesn't affect your everyday life But menopause does I've learned to manage it I've learned to embrace it I've learned that If people don't stop making me godparents, I'm going to end up with far too many children. (laughs) But I do have the two most incredible godchildren on the planet who I love and treasure more than anything. And I've got two schnauzers that are my children. So you find you find substitution in such different ways. Yes, I would have loved to have children. I, I don't know what it's like to have children, so I don't miss it. I'm an only child. I don't know what it's like to have brothers and sisters, so I don't miss it. So I've just embraced the the foster children that i have received
1: what what was it difficult for you to come to the end of a treatment journey and have to reintegrate back into the world
2: the hardest part of cancer for me was was the end which sounds so silly because you kind of uh, my, my philosophy was put as many Um, Marbles in a jar As treatments you have left And then I would take one out Every time And eventually There was that one marble left And I took it out And then you kind of Expect this Elated feeling Of relief and peace But everybody's been Molly calling you For a year They've been bringing you meals, phoning you far too many times. Um, you had people around you constantly, and suddenly people look at you and go, you're fine, and uh, they disappear, and life goes back to normal, and there's a loneliness in the end of cancer and, and a nervousness and a, a fear that you're not going to be able to carry on, and I think that is such a critical Thing to admit, and to either get help for, or to look deep within yourself to find the strength to carry on. But it it's that loneliness and that fear that do
1: do sort of finish that journey. What resources are there, uh, Dr Creel, for people to access that you would recommend?
0: In survivorship consultations. We address all the menopausal side effects because there's actually treatment for that. And many patients aren't aware of that. So we can manage the hot flushes. Um, Vaginal dryness is a big symptom that patients are too embarrassed to talk about. So I have to ask specifically about that symptom. And you can see the relief on the patient's face and usually also on the husband's face when you've brought up this Difficult topic because patients Are too shy to ask about it And we can treat it And sexual health is important as well And I think that It it doesn't Get addressed because It's embarrassing to talk about And it's a big part of Survivorship that we can improve That we can manage So um, I address all of those concerns in the survivorship consultation and we can manage it so that's great for patients going forward that they they feel they don't have to um, suffer in silence treatment is like being in a tumble dryer and at the end you spat out of the tumble dryer and you kind of don't know where you are what's happening everyone leaves all your support leaves and you are you're alone and you don't know how to go forward and you don't know who's going to guide you going forward. And that's, that's what survivorship care is. It's guiding you forward on that path going forward.
1: And Penn, how much benefit is the, uh, from getting support from other patients who are in remission, ordinary people? I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's critical. And
2: the reason is you, and they understand you, you understand them. And there's always comforts, Talking to somebody who's been down the same road as you. I mean, if you were getting divorced and you chatted to somebody who'd been divorced, there, there's a, there's just a, a relevance to what they're saying. And there's, you just know that they know what they're talking about and you can be very honest with each other. And I think as Dr. Creel was saying, it's so, it's so important to understand that there's so many different things that happen to everybody. Sometimes it's good to share them, um, but it is so critical to have somebody that might, you might be embarrassed or too scared to ask somebody else, but somebody that's been through it will be honest with you, they'll give you some good advice, and they might have done exactly the same or been through exactly the same, and you can actually, if they're further down the road than you, they actually become a good person to look up to to get you through that
1: last part. Dr. Creel, what sort of health care... Professionals does one need to have Around them for support once in remission
0: I think that With survivorship the idea is that You you have one go to person That's your survivorship care specialist Because a lot of patients say They've seen so many doctors they feel overwhelmed So the The concept of survivorship is that Patients would come see me as a survivorship specialist and then I would refer to allied health professionals as needed. So that could be psychologists, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, depending on their specific needs.
1: And, Penn, many people report that uh, facing their mortality, facing cancer, has dramatically altered their perspective on life. I mean, they start to re-evaluate what really matters in life. Some gain or lose faith. They change their jobs, their social circles. They focus more on family or they move away from uh, toxic uh, situations. Is that something that you experienced? Definitely. Uh, does it does cause you to
2: look it causes you to live for me to live in the present You realize that the past as much as it's molded you isn't relevant anymore and noise the future because all that really matters is the present And I think that that was my biggest lesson that I took out of it and also learning to live like I'm dying because I think if you can face, if you can look at the next twenty four hours and not worry about what happens in hour number twenty six, and you live that best life and make it count, I think every day is is a
1: gift. And 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 what uh, what would your top advice uh, be regarding screening, early detection, and the importance uh, of uh, getting info from credible sources? Because very often we speak of Dr. Google. We do.
2: So it it is I think you you fifty percent of the way there if you are in the right hands. I did over inform myself initially because I did Google and try to diagnose myself and it is a very scary road to take because it's not always relevant to you. The stats aren't always relevant and there are some very, very scary stories out there. So you do need to find professionals that you can trust and believe in. And yeah, the treatments that, I mean, I've got a funny story with um, the treatment because I lost all of my hair and Sometimes, I mean, I had an 18-year-old that I chatted to that that was her most important thing, was that she'd lost her hair. It wasn't important to me at all. I had short hair, and I actually quite liked getting up in the morning and taking my hair off a mannequin and putting it on. I didn't have to do it. I never had to worry about it. But somebody encouraged me during my first cancer to go on a blind date, and I really wasn't up to it, but I said, I would give it a bash, and I had two very different wigs. One was red to my shoulders, and one was dark and long, and it was a terrible date. I mean, halfway through, I didn't know what I'd agreed to, and he was such a narcissist and just spoke about himself the whole time, but then I remembered that I actually had my other wig in my handbag, so I disappeared into the bathroom, and I changed <laughs> my hair, and you know that I came back and sat down, and he be- I mean, the whole restaurant was looking at me. He barely <laughs> took a breath, but he never phoned me again, so I think he was a little confused, but being with the right people can assist you with those kind of situations where they can guide you on where to go to get wigs, where to go, all the right places and the right things to do. And I think if you're on that path and in the right hands, you, as I say, I think you're 50% of
1: the way there and the rest is just yourself and dr greel i mean if i have a friend who's suffering from breast cancer how do i give them a support without over you know without being over uh overbearing that's the word that i'm looking for what is that fine line in giving support to them
0: it's so difficult to answer that because every person's unique some people appreciate that you know encompassing other patients want to be left alone and they say just leave me until I'm done my treatment and I'll come to you so I think it's best to ask a person what do you need from me what how can I support you because that person going through that journey will be able to advise you best and that's that's what it's about. My consultations are about listening to patients. Patients tell you what they need. And doctors aren't always good at listening and aren't always good at giving the support that patients need. But your patients, if you listen to them, will tell you what they need. And, and then you can help them. And um, we've set up uh, in the NetCare Breast Care Center something called the Pink Parasol. Which um our research head of research Kiara set up it's a umbrella of care, so the pink parasol is a resource um available on the internet with a list of trusted uh, healthcare professionals. So there's physios, there's OTs, there's psychologists, there's dietitians. everyone's on there. And if patients need help, they can go onto the website, they can ask questions, they can get uh, trusted resources, and I think that's great. That's great for patients to have access to that.
1: Dr. Creel, Penn, thank you so much for being here with us today and giving hope to so many people out there. We've been talking all about cancer survivorship to listen to all the episodes in our 10 part oncology podcast series, go to discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts. In our next episode, we explore healthy living during and post cancer treatment. I'll be chatting to a dietitian, a biokineticist and a physiotherapist whose work focuses on cancer patients. All brought to you by Discovery.
0: This is CliffCentral. dot